Well, if April showers bring May flowers, then a new podcast episode might just change your tune. It's the Good to See You podcast. I'm Harrison. And I'm Meg. And this week we are talking to Lita Benson. Lita is a a friend of a friend of a friend of a, we have lots of, of everyone of, Lita, of everyone and as you will hear she just couldn't be nicer she's an actress she's an activist and also wears many other hats in the world um as you'll get to hear about and we had a truly such a great time talking to her and i know that you will have fun listening that's right let's go woke up this morning didn't know what to do so I looked around, then I saw you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. We're gonna talk about some stuff and some other stuff too. Yeah, it's good to see you. Hi, guys. Oh, hey. Hi. Oh, wait, hold on. Let me make sure I don't have my dumb, like, Zoom audition settings on. Hey, guys. Ooh, Hi. Hide self view. I've literally never done that. And that. Really? Yeah, that's. Are you yourself during auditions? Uh, I just didn't know I could hide myself. Yeah, that's the way to. Uh, yeah, congratulations! Your life's about to be rocked. Yeah, because now I, I now I'm not like a lot of the time I spend sitting on like even this podcast. I'm like, uh, um, how do I look weird in the camera? And I know. I, I yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting there just like fidgeting with my hair and like wondering, and so my eyes are always off. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so excited for you. Yeah, thank you. Blessings, <laughs> immediate blessing. Thank you. Immediate. You're welcome for being on your show. Hi um, guys, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. You're in the area. You're back in DC, yeah, yes? I'm back. I'm in my uh, parents' house right now, actually. I'm doing a show at studio. And so I came back a week ago yesterday, which was like- nice uh it's fun to be back I guess it was like I don't feel like I was gone for that long so it doesn't really feel like it's a big homecoming sure I was gonna say like how long were you actually gone gone I moved uh beginning of July but I say beginning of August because like I moved in was there for a few days found a bunch of furniture on the street and then like flew back to DC packed up my car and then drove back over so not I mean January was six months so it's really not that long of a time no, not at all. And like, geez. And you also were traveling, traveling too, right? You've been like bopping around. Always. No, did I see that? Always. Yeah, okay. That's the lead ammo is I'm never, I call it my sabbatical. <laughs> my coworkers at SoulCycle used to call it my sabbatical season. They're like, oh, Lita's taking another sabbatical. Like I'm always just kind of going somewhere. Um, but that's kind of how I love it. So yeah, I'm pretty much always traveling. And does that mean that like, you but do you feel like necessarily like tied down to a place or will when you say traveling do you mean like I'm going here for a few weeks and I'll be back to you know I'll be back to like home in LA and then I'll go somewhere else for a few weeks or is it like okay okay no that one it's never like full wanderer like packing up all my stuff and like driving (laughs) and kind of seeing where I land I always have a place to call home which is great and like but then yeah so then I can go I can go home I can like pack us repack my suitcase go somewhere else for a couple weeks like do whatever I need to do and then I can come back like do laundry dump my stuff off to have my friends and then like go on to the next I used to do that a lot when I worked um I mean obviously I haven't because of COVID but I used to work a lot of um film festivals I would like venue manage for film festivals and so that's very like 
very kind of nomadic and there are people that made full careers out of that like would travel from festival to festival to festival to festival and kind of didn't have a home base necessarily they maybe like had a storage unit in their hometown Mm -hmm. um so but I never that was kind of never I never wanted to do that that aggressively like yeah, I left sure, sure. in January and then going again somewhere in April and then maybe in September but then kind of always going back and having a place to be oh, that's a that's an interesting job though I didn't know that I mean I I guess of course that's a thing but are you a big film buff how did you kind of get into no. doing that <laughs> not at all I actually like I'm a bad actor and I don't know any movies I um in in so how did it start I uh Summer after I graduated high school, I did a show at Capital French Festival and thought it was just so much fun to kind of like, and I think this was back in their old space on like New York Avenue. And it was just like under mm. a big tent. And so it felt very like cool and pop-up-y and they had a bar there, you know, the bar is right next to the stage and like people are kind of walking in and out. And I thought it was so much fun. And so then the following year, like summer after freshman year, when everyone's like, I need an internship. I kind of emailed them out of the blue and I was like, Hey, can I work for you guys? Like, can I just come and help out in any way? And they, I think at the time the office was only like three or four people, something like that. And so they had never had an intern and they're like, yeah, sure. Show up, see how, see, we'll see what we can find for you. And so I really liked that kind of um, work. Like it's super high intensity in the moment. I mean, it's a lot like theater. Like it's a really Mm -hmm. concentrated period of work. And there's like a really big payoff at the end of it. And then you can kind of like relax and breathe afterwards. Right. Um, And so I did that. I thought it was super fun. And so when I moved to Vermont, I wanted to do something in that realm. And Vermont has a, Burlington has a really huge jazz festival. And so it was the same thing. I kind of cold emailed them and I was like, hey, I have a slight background in festivals and events. Like, would you, can I, can I come work for you guys? And so I did that and I ended up working for, I was like an intern and then about a month into it, they were like, oh, actually we'd like you, let's pay you. So they paid me and I worked there all through college. And then Hmm. person at that job got me my first film festival job at Sundance. And then person at Sundance got me the next one. And it's all just like work, but getting more work. I mean, I wish there were like more formal job applications to get in the door, but it's really just kind of like who, you know, and if they vibe with you and kind of trust you to do the job. Right. And I feel like that's kind of the nature of, especially you're talking about the kind of work where it's like, okay, we're going to do a lot of work in a very small period of time. And so if we're just going to, you know, if we're going to have to be around each other in that sort of work environment, as opposed to like a longstanding thing, you know, we just go off of like, yeah, who's cool to work with? Who do you like yeah. goes off of recommendation rather than like, do you have the like skill sets that we're looking for in this, yeah. you know, formalized, uh, you know, yeah. Job search. I there guess. are definitely skill sets that you need. Like you definitely have to be cool under pressure because it's a, like a lot of people kind of screaming at you sometimes Sure. <laughs> and yeah. then like staying on track, but otherwise it's like, if, who would you want to spend an, a 16 hour day with really right. for right. eight days in a row? Yeah. And I've met some really amazing, really cool people that kind of come from all over the world doing it. So I think that's what's really, I think that's why I kept coming back and doing it. Like, yeah, you get to see some cool films and like sit on on some panels and like meet some cool people. But really the people that you're like in the trenches with are why you keep coming back. Yeah, sure. It's creative creative in like a different way too, right? Like Mm -hmm. my focus was theater or is theater so much. And so 
that almost like consum <laughs> consumer worldview. And then you'd go off to a film festival and see all these like cool films from all over the world. And it might not be something that you'll ever see in a theater or on a streaming platform. And like, it's really inspiring in a different way to kind of be a part of that too. So I always mm -hmm. found it to be like a really nice reset and kind of recalibration to get out of my like <laughs> DC bubble, you know, theater bubble brain and kind of mm -hmm. like see what else was out there. So I wanna like, I wanna keep doing more of it, but we just obviously haven't had that many in the last few years. Do you have like a favorite story, favorite moment from working on one of the festivals? Mm. I, J Judd Apatow really screamed at me once because uh, he was coming for a, he was coming, uh, I think it was like a Jim Carrey. I think it was Jim Carrey did a, an Andy Kaufman he played Andy Kaufman mm -hmm. in a movie. Yeah. And so it was a talk back for that. And I guess Judd, Mr. Apatow had been promised that he would have like, it would be like an hour long Q and A that he would be a part of. But then the one sheet that I got was it was scheduled for like 15 minutes. And so I think when it was, you know, I was kind of giving him the lowdown, like, okay, so do you want me to give you a five minute warning when we're like at the 10 minute mark that kind of set him off. And I'm sure he would not have made the trek out to this film festival for like, you know, a 15 minute talk back. And so it ended up escalating and he really very much took it out on me. And I was like, I'm just Oof. a lowly theater manager. I have no idea yeah, what's please. going on. <laughs> and we ended up having to like get the director of the festival involved. And like the director was the one that ended up like, you know, wrangling him and pulling him off the stage. So it suddenly like escalated way above my pay grade, but I was really, really grateful for that. Holy crap. Another one, another one. Oh, another good one. I would like to think that John Hamm and I are friends because he, I work at the, at Sundance, I work at the same theater all the time, which is the Eccles, which is kind of like the biggest, um, I mean, it is number, I mean, capacity wise, like the largest theater at Sundance and it's where they do a lot of big premieres. And he has had a couple films go through there and he has also been a juror for the, the juried films, which are premiered there. And so a couple years in a row, you know, we've seen each other at the Eccles and like the most recent time I went um, in person was 2019 and we passed each other in the hallway and he gave me like a knowing jock nod and I was like I think we're in John Hamm I really think we're in so I'd like to think that when it, we come back in 2020 whatever he'll uh, he'll recognize me. <laughs> wow those are two amazing stories and get yeah. both sides of the coin too like <laughs> yeah. you know good good celeb interaction less yeah less good I know well I remember like I'm Harvey Weinstein used to like come through the echoes and he looked like as trolly and gross as you think he would and yeah I mean it's like they would just be there yeah so, good riddance to that yeah good riddance yeah. to that see you yeah. later yeah. see you later for sure um where it's a really fun gig yeah that seems it seems like a sick gig and you were like you were mm -hmm. on Sundance and what other festivals have you gotten um, to do AFI American Film Institute uh -huh. festival every November Turner Classic Movies TCM Fest it's like cool. a film festival of all classic movies um and it's so that one is actually really fun it's one weekend long and the the patrons that attend are like not your average film festival goer they're like movie lovers from all mm. over the US and they're like retirees and they save up for like this big spring trip to go to like California. And a lot of them come in costumes, like there'll be the women in like ball gowns and, and um, you know, gloves and pearls, yeah. like going to see these old black and white, oh. like Hollywood classic movies. It's, and they just want to talk about films. Like they, all they want to do is talk about your favorite, you know, Gene Kelly movie or your favorite 
silent film and it's just watching them nerd out I can't I can't compete with them like I have no idea what they're talking about but watching them <laughs> love it so much um makes that one like very very special that's, yeah, that's so sweet. cool yeah yeah um it's a, I, it's a good crowd I have to ask on the topic of travel because I know uh-huh. you're just in New Orleans Oh, was yeah, that your was first time there? Yeah, well, no. I mean, it's, it's kind of a double whammy question. One, how was New Orleans? Two, uh-huh. 30, how do you feel? Um, well, actually, we were joking that, um, so my my lower back really started hurting when I was in New Orleans. Like on Friday night, we gone out, we'd gone <laughs> dancing and saw a band. And the next day I had this like searing pain in my spine and everyone was just roasting me because they're like turn 30 you immediately slip a disc like there you go your body is just completely giving out on you turns out it was a double kidney infection so we had been putting like lidocaine patches on my lower back like we were doing group stretches and yoga like thinking that I just you know like tweaked something but no, it was like full organ oh, no. infection oh, and I ended up going to the hospital so that's like that was a that's turning 30. <laughs> um <laughs> New Orleans? No, I go to, I go for Mardi Gras every year. Oh, cool. It's like my favorite holiday. And so this was, um, oh, like sixth, seventh time I'd been to New Orleans, something like that. So I knew I, it was a deliberate choice to go there. I Do you really have favorite spots? Kind of. Yeah. But then also just, I like, I like all of it. I don't think I've ever been to a bad spot in New Orleans. Like yeah, it's extremely city so much. Yeah. Do you and the like- energy is really good there sorry to interrupt did you do you no. like um mardi gras in new orleans or do you like mardi gras anywhere no, i think i like it in new orleans i love the okay. spectacle okay of it. like yeah. it's very performative you, uh, you know like yeah. the glitter and the beads and the costumes and like watching all these people on floats and the people watching it's just really fun to be I'll say, even the attendees are like performing on a certain level yeah. everyone's performing this like level of celebration that you yeah. never see anywhere else it's like people no. in the middle of the street trashed at nine o'clock in the morning I mean that's <laughs> also just, New Orleans yeah. a little bit but <laughs> yeah. they're like putting it on yeah more. it's a full bacchanal like it's an it's just so fun and and uh, I don't want to say lawless, but like just anything mm. goes truly. And I think that's the excitement of it. And I always take home so many. Be- I just love that. I love it so much. <laughs> My dream is to one day be on a float. So maybe My- I feel like it not. Yeah, it could it could happen, right? It could happen. My grandpa rode in one for years and years. My mom's whole family is from New Orleans. So like, really? Yeah. Um, and my grandpa like rode in a float for years and years and years. The Babylon and like the Babylon parade or float. Okay. So um, yeah. we, sh- we need to make this happen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a thing that, that no, is like impossible money, at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I just have to like get in the know with like a, a crew. Um, we'll work on it. That'll be my life, life project. <laughs> hey, the thirties, get it done. Get it done by 40. <laughs> I know. As long as I'm not like, you know, cr- crutching around with my slip disc. <laughs> <laughs> or your double kidney infection. Yeah. <laughs> We've, uh, I just finished the antibiotics for that. So we're on the up and up. Okay, good. I'm glad to, to know that you're yeah. feeling better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We survived. But do you have any, like, I don't know, as at like a milestone, you know, a year, uh, do you have any like profound reflections on the past <laughs> decade? Like things in, like for the decade coming up, I know a lot of people for whatever reason, choose the like the decade marker to be a time where they really like take stock of things or, you know, make Uh, new kind of goals or whatever. I 
am really excited for the, a new decade. I think I've learned a lot of lessons in my 20s. I think I have uh, made the mistakes I've needed to make <laughs> and kind of uh, done a lot of growing. And I'm kind of excited to like, I don't know. I don't know if I was expecting a full metamorphosis when I turned 30, but like, I'm excited sure. to kind of, I, I feel like I walk through the world with more confidence and more like uh, hmm. awareness of like kind of the person I want to be and the relationships I want to foster. And that self-assuredness, I think is kind of something I'm excited. I'm excited to keep. Yeah. Like, living every day right but goals oh, I should probably do that I should probably reevaluate <laughs> the goals but I mean like obviously uh my the birthday this year was a big one but it was uh probably like the least I've thought about a birthday just because of everything like going on in Ukraine so it's kind of this weird double-edged of like oh here's a huge milestone but like I could not sure. care less at all about it right so that's kind you know I think maybe I would have more self-reflection on goals and um, kind of things I wanted to bring into this new chapter. If, if you, right. If you were reflecting inward and not, you know, like looking so much outward. Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. Even having the capacity to look inward in the world is a gift with how much goes on. And I know that you've like been doing so much and been so, um, you know, you've, I, we could, I'd love to just divert into just briefly, like we were going to talk about it at the end, but it's kind of come up is like the prince, that you've been doing and all the amazing mm-hmm. information and the amazing um, resources that you've been getting out, both information wise and literally fiscally, um, it's just been incredible. And I mean, it, where, how can people like help or connect with that? Just to kind of like briefly tangent on, I mean, are you I still doing that? Been, yeah, I'm still okay, doing cool. that. I get, um, I get like waves of donations. I think kind of like as the news comes out, suddenly there'll be like another big wave of people um, donating, but it's kind of, I've kind of just all done it through my, Instagram and I wish there was a more like official way because it feels really weird to ask people to just Venmo me money like I, I you know yeah. but it kind of just started I mean it's a Google forum and it's people Venmoing me money. and it was out of like need you know the immediate yeah. reaction it's not like yeah. you had time to plan for something Mm-mm. like this you know and 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 well yeah I learned very quickly because people wanted to start ordering prints like from Canada and did you know Venmo doesn't work with foreign banks I didn't <laughs> um mm-hmm. so like you had to I suddenly was like figuring out how to accept international currency and I have to figure out um, like my taxes with Venmo because suddenly they thought I was like, uh, not Venmo, PayPal, because they suddenly thought I was like just selling stuff because I started getting like a ton of money in mm-hmm. from, from PayPal. So like that's something I need to work on and figure out, which is probably <laughs> it's like April, it's kind of late for that. Um, but yeah, a lot of learning on the fly and um I mean, Google Docs is really useful and it makes a spreadsheet for me. And so that's kind of saved the day. But like, I wish there was a more formal structure for it. But like, at the time, I just had a lot of energy that I really, really needed to channel into something. And, um, you know, it kind of just happened. I think it's it's really interesting for me because I am, um, uh, you know, my Instagram right now, is all of my Ukrainian friends posting the same thing. Like it very much feels like an echo chamber. So when I, you know, I don't necessarily feel like I'm sharing anything groundbreaking to me. Well, for people, yeah, I, also, I was gonna say, well, people who are not in that echo chamber, I get more good information from your feed than mm-hmm. from most places on the internet, same. period. Like in one condensed yeah. place, just your story, yeah. like alone. And I've, ha- and I've had so many people say that to me. And that's so, it feels so amazing because sometimes I feel like I'm just, 
screaming and panicking into the void. And then I'll get a message from someone being like, I, you're literally my new source for this. And if I, I know if it's coming from you, then I know that it means something and it like has a a bit of credibility. I would like to, you know, think. And so, um, I was seeing kind of like right at the outbreak of the war that all my friends started like getting involved in their own ways, like kind of through our churches or our scouting organizations or like, um, my friend who's a doctor started asking her hospital for um, like extra medical supplies to send over because they needed like triage supplies. And then I was like, shit, well, I need to do something too. To. Like I, I was just sitting and doom scrolling and not sleeping. And like, I needed to put all of that into something. And then I was like, okay, but what's a, what's a, like as an artist, what is a me thing that I want to do? And my friend had come to me saying that she like really was moved by photos I was posting and she kind of wanted to donate a piece of art to me. And so she like made this print and kind of, we collaborated on it back and forth. She sent me a couple drafts and we settled on that. Um, and I really wanted to give people something tangible in exchange for a donation. Like it's amazing how trusting people are just like sending kind of money into the ether to like individual people and fingers, you know, knowing that trusting the person enough to know that it's gonna go to where it needs to go. But I also wanted to give people something beautiful because I mean, if you look at my Instagram story, it's horrific, you know, like it's, it's like posting photos of dead bodies on my Instagram, you know, like I never thought mm-hmm. that would be. And so all we're seeing is destruction and chaos and death and murder and, and the Ukraine that I know and the, like the Ukrainian culture that I grew up in is like so beautiful and so joyful. And like the dance and the music and the art, like that, that's what I treasure. And that's what I'm so proud of as a Ukrainian. And so I wanted to like give a tiny piece of that to everyone that donated. And like, it's just, it's an illustration, you know, but like they can amidst all this kind of like horrific shit that you're seeing in the news or on my Instagram or wherever you're getting it, Twitter, like you, there's also a culture there that is like really, really beautiful. And that, that's like what we're protecting just as much. Um, And so that's kind of why I wanted to make it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of, you know, work shipping these prints out and like it's a lot of supplies and buying a lot of stamps and going to the post office but like to me that's really worth it because I get to give people that donate something back to um like as a thank you and so that's kind of why I as long as people keep sending money like I'll keep sending prints out I have no intention of of stopping obviously there was a big push kind of right at the start and now it's coming in waves but like if I get a you know $20 donation $30 donation here and there like I'll keep sending them I don't have any intention of like i'll make sure we link up in the thing so that people if they'd like to check it out can can help out and thanks yeah yeah of course and and i do think like you said something uh, a little bit earlier in that about how like you like to think i get get monologue about it like once you get going like it's really hard to stop hey this is this is exactly what we want to see you know um (laughs) but but you said something earlier about how like you like to think that like there's some level of legitimacy. And I think just like from hearing from any member of any community about the things that are affecting them is going to be given legitimacy just like through being that. And the other thing that I want to say is that you've done a really good job. I I have to say like in, in educating through your feed of like 
I don't think that the mainstream media is focusing on like how desperate the need for the preservation of culture is and how much like the, you know, how much that is being like put at stake right now. And I do think that like, I've learned so much and that point has been really driven home. And so thank you for sharing that. Um, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. There was like a really piece of, I mean, personally devastating. One of my favorite painters is this like folk painter. And I remember actually in college in our scene design class, we had to paint, you know, like big three by three, three three by four flats or something like that. Um, And I ended up like doing one of her, copying one of her images as like my flat image. Um, And so she's kind of always been one of my favorites. And I guess early on in the war, a museum that held a lot of her artwork like was bombed. And so they thought that most of it had been lost. We later found out that a lot of it had, had made it out and survived, but I was like, shit, you know, like that's, that's an an intangible. It's irreplaceable. It's one of a kind. kind. And like that, that hurts a lot. And so, yeah. Thank you for saying that. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Um. And I just also want to commend the, like, I mean, I know the, the, that like grassroots organizing like that is, uh, you know, it's very, it's very difficult and, you know, it's emotionally taxing. It's like mentally and physically taxing. And so the fact that part of your mission in doing that is to like, give back to the, is to give back to others, you know, and to be able to like share a little bit of like the cause that they are donating to, um, you know, and, and spread that. I think, um, yeah, it's just really powerful. And I've been really inspired, you know, watching, watching your work and, and learning, you know, from the things that you share. So thank you for doing, you know, thank you for that work that you're doing. And I know it's, you know, bringing a lot of, um, relief to a lot of people in, in many different ways. Yeah. Do you guys want to hear a really wild story? Sure. I'd love to. So uh, I knew I wanted to do this and then I was kind of deciding what organization to send the money to. And there are a lot of like, um, obviously a lot of nonprofits that have been in the U S for a long time. There were early accounts to send like money directly to the Ukrainian armed forces, but it like involved a lot of complicated international wire transfers. That just seemed like really inaccessible. Um, And so then the national bank of Ukraine set up this fundraiser and they're accepting all forms of currency and you can just like send it directly through your credit card and like they will handle the transaction fees and everything like that. And I was like, perfect, easy. We'll cut out the middleman, like send it directly to the source. How cool. They had two accounts, one for the army, one for humanitarian aid. I was like, perfect. If people don't want to donate to like an army, you know, for, for reasons, like we can send it to the humanitarian side and cool. So I set it up, we start doing it. And I had always heard that my great grandfather was um, the head of the bank. Like I just knew in my history that he was like the head of the bank. And that in the twenties, when Russians started moving in, he had as the director of the bank at the time, he had to kind of like pack up the whole treasury and put it in these huge crates and he, he moved it all to Poland. And so my grandma was born actually in Poland and she grew up in a warehouse filled with crates that held like the, Freaking treasury of Ukraine in this warehouse. She grows up there. Then during World War II, the Germans are moving into Poland. And um, my great grandfather knew again that it kind of would not be safe there anymore. And so he put it on a train to these crates on a train to move west. Eventually, the train was stopped at, you know, by Nazis at a checkpoint. 
and he knew that there's like no hope of salvaging it. So he jumped off the train and um, when he jumped off the train, he like ruptured his eardrum, was deaf for his whole life. So like, this is a story that, and, and that treasure kind of was never seen again. It was looted. It went who knows Holy where, crap. you know, it's somewhere. Yeah. So this is the story that I grew up hearing about my great grandfather. Like I knew this all along. And so I start fundraising for this and I am realizing now that I've collected like thousands of dollars of donations for the National Bank of Ukraine. And I was like, let me do my due diligence and like, let me do a little bit of research so that if people are asking me questions, like I know, I can give them kind of concrete details about it. I knew it was the National Bank. Like I knew it's all legit and above board, but I just wanted to know more. I am on their website reading the like about history page. And there's a whole paragraph about my great grandfather because it used to be known as the first central bank of Ukraine which he was one of the founders and final directors of. And then after the Soviet Union, it was renamed the National Bank of Ukraine. And so it was kind of this like amazing, crazy full circle, I think like destiny moment that I had just mm. felt compelled to like choose this bank. And then it ended up being the one that like was a huge part of my family history. And so like, to me, that just adds a whole nother layer of like, this is what I'm meant to be doing right now. Like this is absolutely, like w what needs to happen. Yeah, that's like How the ancestor beam. That? Like that, yeah, that wow. is like walking through like, that is like walking through the like silhouettes of light of your, literally like through your ancestors passing through like hole in a wall. That is so fucking crazy. And I, I had told my mom that I was setting, I was going to do the national bank. She was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like even she didn't like put two and two together that it was mm. the same one, just like rebranded. That's wow, me. that's amazing. Like, me, that's a top so, five like, story on this show. Uh, yeah, nuts. at least. Yeah, that's so cool. It's one of those moments where it's like, yeah, everything is kind of lining up. And like, that's exactly what, like when you feel like called to do something and then you actually yeah. find out that like, yes, like your great grandfather. You were, you yeah. Do it. yeah. <laughs> that crazy. is so, so wild. So I guess, what is the, who was the first generation of your family that was in America? So my mom's, um, like half of her. So, uh, my mom was born here. Um, her eldest brother was born in a displaced persons camp in Germany. So like she, she kind of was right mm. on the cut. Like they had come over, her brother was born there, but like she and the rest of her siblings were born in the U S gotcha. Okay. So I, I don't know what. I'm second generation. Does that make the second yeah, generation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, my dad's American. Sure. That's where you get the bends from. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of kind of like things, um, like callings, quote unquote, we haven't talked really at all about theater. Let's, can we, can we jump over to that yeah, for a bit? Um, like, how did you even get involved doing that? Always my like great question. Yeah. How did you like, yeah. Were you like on stage from the time you were a little kid? My mom, actually, another weird, wild, full circle moment. My mom growing up um, was part of adventure theater. Like she performed oh. there regularly. Oh, wow. And so we would take kindergarten field trips to go see her perform in the shows. And she was there. They had, a, it wasn't structured the same way that it was now. They had like a almost like a resident company was called the picture book players, but it was part of adventure theater. And um, it was like a, a resident company of, you know, mom aged people that like performed. 
Um, and so we like took elementary school field trips to go see her. And so I remember she would take me to rehearsal too, like on the weekends and things like that. So I remember very vividly, like being in the theater while they were rehearsing. I remember like watching my, my mom always played, she was such an ingenue. She like always played Cinderella. And, and <laughs> so I remember her watching the guy that played the prince and like being convinced that like she and my dad were going to get divorced. And like, that was the end. Cause I like didn't understand <laughs> and like walking through the costume shop. So I like, I grew up really in that theater. And then I started doing like a baby musical theater. Actually, actually, well, this is weird. I started doing in third grade. I think my mom wanted to like get me involved in something. And so she signed me up for Irish dance and like, we're not Irish. And I went to like a one week Irish dance summer intensive. And I remember the guy was so mean and I hated it. I loathed it. And so I told her I wanted to quit. And she was like, okay, if you quit, like you have to do something else. And she signed me up for like little kid musical theater. And so I started doing that. And our very first year in like in the little musical theater troupe, we got to perform in Disney World. And that was like, I mean, once you perform in Disney World, there's like, you know, going back. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, that, that's how we continued on. And you studied so my in failure college? at Irish dance. Yeah. Right, yeah, I did no uh, BA program. I okay. was at Barnard first for a year and a half, and then I transferred to University of Vermont. That's where I oh. Very random. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know why. I, I I have I have so many little. I know like a lot of because of like Noah and stuff. Like I, and mm-hmm. you know we run in we've we've yeah, run yeah. in many similar circles. Like I I know a lot of like little secondhand stories, but I did not know that. I did not know that. Is yeah. it true? Did you audition at Juilliard re- relatively recently yeah, in the last I few was, years? I was waitlisted. Can you tell MFA me about program. the audition process? We have not had anybody ever audition. If you're comfortable sharing. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can talk about it now. <laughs> Traumatizing for a few years. I'm no, sorry so about I, uh, that. I, no, no, That's no, no, why no. I preface with it's that. A, I was like, yeah, because I don't know. It's, good, well, no, it's a big it's, commitment um, to audition. It's, it's also so personal and like takes a lot out of you. Like, so... I'd done a summer conservatory and it was my first time like really studying acting full time. I didn't go to a BFA program. So it was like the first time I really got to like get in the thick of it. And I was like, I love this. This is what I want to do. And so I decided to audition for MFA programs. This was 2017, 2016, something like that. Um, and so I like worked with a coach. I was commuting up to New York. I like found my audition pieces. I knew what I wanted to do and um, did like all the, the kind of like big fancy MFA schools um and so what they you know you go into the room and you do your two monologues and then they like ask for adjustments ask for another monologue ask for a fourth monologue ask you to sing chat a little bit like it can be it can look like anything in the room um usually it's like uh, a faculty member um and then like an alum a recent alum or something like that because they're kind of you know filtering through a lot of people and then they post a some schools do like an end of hour callback. And so they'll post a list of people like from that hour that they want to call back. Some people wait until kind of the end of the morning. They literally post like a callback list on the door and you go and you see if your name is on there, which is like a whole weird mind fuck. And like, is yeah. not, they should not be doing that. It's not conducive to anyone's work or artistry or self-worth. It's just, it's not a cool thing because sometimes they'll post a list and there are no names called back. Like they will literally put up an empty list, which is like rude. 
That um, is rude. It's just so, say thank you, everybody. Yeah. 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 Or just send an email and like we can right. check it while we're at Starbucks, you know? Yeah. Um, so then you go and do your like afternoon end of day callback and it can be like group classes. They usually have you do your monologues again for different people. Um, Juilliard at the end of the day actually had you do your monologues they would tell you what monologues they wanted to see from you and they would have you perform it in front of the whole faculty. Um, so like you kind of, I mean, you really have to love all of your audition pieces and you have to be ready to perform all of them because at a certain point, like they ask for what they want to see. And you have um, to have minimally four. Yeah. Two classical, two contemporary yeah. and a song okay. um, is like what you need to have ready. Yeah. Um, and a song is like not, it doesn't have to be, you know, like your best 16 bars. I mean, I sang a Ukrainian drinking song. Like, oh, that's so be, cool. It can just like, they want to see you be your most authentic self. And sure. like sometimes when you're singing, like some people clam up and some people just like really mm. open up and you can kind of like see into their soul a little bit. And um, so it doesn't, it's not about, you know, your range or your belt or like anything like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Juilliard, I remember in the, it was a really long day because you audition in the morning, then in the afternoon, we had like a little group class. It was like imagination work. It was like a little bit of movement. Um, and then they told you what they wanted to see from you, what pieces you'd go in, you'd perform your pieces. And then, um, you know, there may be like, of you at the end of the day so you're waiting for 50 people to perform their monologues <laughs> and so it can you know there's a lot of downtime too and then they brought us in for um interviews and it's you and usually like two faculty members and um they had asked you at some point over the course of the day while you're waiting for people to do their monologues to like fill out a you know like a little info sheet about yourself I remember one of the questions was like what's uh theatrical experience that you that really you know stood out to you that you really remember um how did you get into this like who are you as a person like what do you value I mean it's kind of wide-ranging get to know you um and so in the interview they had like read that and they would ask you questions and just kind of it wasn't it, like a formal thing it really was just a conversation I remember um the show that I had written about like they had they had seen and so we very much like nerded out kind of about that and I talked about why I loved it so much um and I remember I was dismissed from the callback at a, like eleven fifty-five p.m and oh I had a at like 8 30 or 9 wow and then you wait and then you wait 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 until they do like all of their weekends because they do you know New York they'll do Chicago they'll do San Francisco auditions um and New York will usually have two weekends. So that's like a month of auditioning. And then um, they email you. And sometimes it's an outright rejection. Um, sometimes it's an invitation to a final callback weekend. And so um, for the final callback weekend, is, I mean, it is a full weekend. You like show up on Friday. Um, and then it was like three days of being a Juilliard student really. Um, we took classes. There were a bunch of different blocks. Again, you're performing these freaking monologues, like for people again, like for different faculty members. Um, 
we had like lunches with prospective or with current students to kind of talk about that. I remember they took us to see a show at Roundabout. And so then the next day we kind of had like a play analysis class where we talked about what we saw. Um, and it was just like three full days of being a student there. And then- um, Are they evaluating you that whole time? Like, are yeah. they, is they're watching you in class to like see- how yeah. you participate or how yeah. you, yeah. And okay. it's literally wow. like, we had ballroom dance. We had clown. We had uh, like an imagination exercise. We had um, like a voice and speech class. We had uh, kind of like a, like a general movement. There was a really famous um, movement teacher at Juilliard that was there since the beginning. I think he just recently retired. Like, you know, you had a master class with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it really, it was, a, it was three full days of master classes is really what it was. And faculty members like had their folders and they would like kind of filter into rooms and like sit and watch for 20 minutes and then kind of walk out. And it was very like, you were just there taking class, but you were also being observed. It felt right. like, it actually felt like, you know, in center stage, like kind of where they're the people walking in and kind of whispering to mm. each other and then walking out and all the dancers are like, ooh, are yeah. we being passed or not? Like, that's exactly what it felt uh-huh. like because you're in these huge rooms in Lincoln Center right um and then uh you went home on s- Sunday and um they emailed people with acceptances on Monday right away mm-hmm. and, and then I was emailed on Tuesday about a waitlist spot and then that you just wait that they yeah. make you go and they let like you go up you do like a full mammoth day and then you go back for three days of like basically being in an experiment. Right. You know, like it must, it must in some way feel like that. Like you're in these big spaces doing these like controlled exercises and there's people with file folders like coming in and like taking yeah. notes on you. And I remember the last thing we did on um, Sunday, it's a, it's a singing class. And, and I think, they do it every year, but I, the song was my funny Valentine. And like, we all took turns. We learned it all together as a group. Cause at this point there are 50 of you, 25 BFA and 25 MFA. And wow. I remember just being in this oh room and the whole faculty is sitting there and she's teaching you my funny Valentine. And then like, we would go one by one and sing my funny Valentine. And then we performed it. Like she would give us little um, scenarios. Of, of characters or like settings and we would go and sing the song with a partner kind of as though we were performing that scene um I remember a kid had to like sing it as Donald Trump you know like um a guy and I had to sing it as though we were adopting a child like to a child that we were adopting like I mean really w- like wild all across the board some comedic some you know intense uh my funny Valentine interpretation. And I like, we'll never think of that song in the same way. Like it immediately transports <laughs> you to like that room and that time. Yeah, and hearing um, it over and over and over, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then and then they like, the turnaround is so fast. Right. Yeah, that and is so wild. Wait. I mean, I hope right, that because... someone drops out. <laughs> and so that you can have their spot off the wait list. My, my initial reaction to hearing that, like, I've just done three days of work and you're essentially like able to make that decision overnight, like that, I don't know. Is that, I mean, I I guess they are making it over the three days as well, but (laughs) 
it feels like, I don't know. I don't, you want some time to think about that or like reflect on, I don't know. It's well, you know, it's yeah. I don't know the way it just, the way that it culminates, like it like peaks and then it's an immediate, you know, either sometimes you kind of like ride that out for a few days after like a, a big, you don't even have time to process it before they're giving you like something else to, you know, process either way, you know, well, and, and the, res- also, the result. And yeah. also like they, you know, the, always, 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 they say they don't know what they're looking for. Like they don't have an ideal makeup of their class in mind. And so, which I, I think is true. Like you don't know what students are going to be auditioning for you in any particular year. So then also to craft your ideal class when you have kind of no idea maybe from the get-go of what you want is also right i mean i'm not envious of that alpha me to like try to find a you know group of people um yeah it's a very it's a very weird experience because then you're so close and waitlisting too like you're so close i mean my goodness it was interesting i went i went through the coincidentally went through the process with my best friend's now husband they were uh dating or engaged they were engaged at the time um and he ended up getting in and I was waitlisted and so like we had kind of you know we went on this whole journey together and he got his email on Monday and like didn't tell me because he was waiting to kind of like hear what happened with me and so it's been it's been cool weird uh to watch him go through the last four years because like I auditioned with all those people like I know Mm. the classmates that he's talking about like I was in rooms with them taking class and so that's kind of interesting that like it uh uh, you know it's not like an audition that I went to I didn't get and then I could like fully let go it's actually like something that I've very much been a part of because one of my dear friends has kind of Mm. or has been in it this whole time since then and so hearing him like you know talk about his classmates and like his experience going through it. Sometimes I'm like, oh damn, I wish I were there. And sometimes I'm like, thank God I'm not doing that. Yeah. Right. Um, so what you're saying, so how do you even, how could you even know what they were looking for? You know, in that entire weekend of a million yeah. things that they are asking you to do, like clearly, I mean, I, I think it would be like really a marvel to see. And I can like, I, I mean, just only congratulate you on you know, what a success that is to be able to, you know, go through that entire process and, you know, and be waitlisted. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like, I know that is one of the most exclusive and we're talking about art clubs. It's maybe, it's maybe the art club besides (laughs) like winning one of the big four awards. Like, right. If we're talking about like validation that's available, like in that form or like, you know, the top of the tops. I think this is where it gets hard too, because then that summer I was kind of waiting around, waiting to see if I got in off the wait list. And then you don't get in off the wait list. So then you're like, okay, at this point, it's a numbers game, right? Like Juilliard is half MFA, half BFA. So if you're, if it's 18 students, nine of them are MFAs, and then they're going to split it half and half men and women so really you're you're trying to get one of three bots you know and and also within that there's so many different i mean like like even just breaking down along those lines like if things inside of that there's so many different things you want like 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, so it's really at that point, a numbers game, you know, like, is someone going to get an acceptance to Yale that they want more than Juilliard is really what you're looking at. Mm. So, so then the summer ends, you don't get in off of it. And then part of your ego goes like, well, fuck, like I got waitlisted at Juilliard. Like that means Mm -hmm. I'm good. Mm -hmm. But I would, but I didn't make it. Like I I got waitlisted, you know, like I was so close, but not, but also I'm really good. Good. Whatever that means. Like air quotes, because I like, you know, I made it as far in Juilliard. So then I remember kind of like going into my first few auditions after that and like kind of being rocked because here I was, I had like gassed myself and, and was gassed up in my mind kind of by this institution and the prestige of this institution thinking that like, oh, I'm ready for the next level or I'm ready to, for that acknowledgement. But then you're also still going to auditions and like, I'm, you're still not getting a callback, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, you're still just kind of auditioning with everyone else in the same thing. And I think that was really hard mm. to kind of like reckon with, you yeah. know, like kind of my ego being a bit unchecked a bit, I, my ego being unchecked and yet still being like just a person trying to make it as a working actor, working, working actor. I don't know working why actor. I appreciate it. Working right. actor. So, and, and like with all the rejection that comes with that. And I think that was the hardest part of the whole process. Yeah. It was like kind of coming mm-hmm. back. And so then I was like, fuck this. I'm going to do it again. Like I'm going to get in this next time. And so then you go through the whole process again. And it's just even more excruciating because you're like, you know, you're, you're putting your, you know, you're peeling your skin off for them again, like putting your heart on the line again. It's just like, it's a really brutal process to go through. Yeah, I mean, it um, seems to magnify all of the different agonies of the rejection mm-hmm. part of this industry because you do, you get that first validation of like, okay, come back in the afternoon. Then you get that second validation of, oh, come up for the weekend. And you spend this whole time in the classes, you're probably getting some level of validation, even if it's just like nice adjustment. Like that's a huge validation. Or, that's a fucking insane validation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Or just Or like, you know, which we all do, but like looking at that other person and being like, I'm better than her. Like yeah. I, I can, you know, sure. like yeah. that it's so it's just, it's a very, like you leave so much of your heart and because that's what they want. Right. Like they want yeah. to be your most authentic, like truest self, like warts and all. And that's really a huge <laughs> ask to like sustain over three weekends or three days of a yeah. weekend, you know, like it's very, very personal. And like so many people are just, you know, like crying and worn out. And it's like, it's very, it's a lot, it's a lot. I, but you learn a ton about yourself in th- that process. Yeah. And so that's like, I had a bunch of people kind of come up to me afterwards knowing I'd gone through it being like, I think I want to audition. And I'm like, great. It's a lot of crazy hard work. And it's also like deeply rewarding and also don't expect anything because who the fuck knows, you know? Right. Well, that's what I remember. I remember there was a time when Noah was flirting with it and that's how it ended up coming upon this story. Um, yeah. How did the, how did the, like, what did the recalibration period, like after that second run at it look like, like, you know, you've kind of not, it, it, not to get too candid, but like, you know, no. you get to this point, you get to this point where you, you've built this thing up in your mind. Now, two times you've revved yourself up to give over to four year program, right. For the MFA. Yeah. So you're looking, no, that's what I'm saying. You're like, you're revving yourself up two times in a row to be like, okay, so right now with the audition, the first audition year and four years of school, I'm looking at five years of my life centered around this with the second mm-hmm. one, I'm looking at six years of my life centered around this. And when that comes up short at the end of the second one, like what the fuck 
like did that recalibration look like well, where did okay. you turn and, yeah. and go next yeah well just think if i'd gotten in off the wait list i would be graduating this year that's nuts yeah like and I you would have done it in the pandemic too that but like i also think of all that i have done i don't even mean career-wise but just like growth as a human and like experiences that i've had over the last four years like uh, I, I have learned so much and like I, imagining being in a it's not that it's a bad thing but like just having if i had been in a program for four years like i would not have experienced those things i would have had different ones but like that's just kind of you know ripping the rag in my mind so you go into the second year and you're like fuck this i'm i got it i got it this time i know what they're looking for i know what i'm doing you walk into the room they remember you they're you know saying hey lita so good to see you again at this point the people you audition with the previous year are students that are like doing work study for that weekend and are like talking to you and i got outright rejected so then you're like what well, did that mean nothing like and you're like, did I have more of the sauce the first time? Like, what the hell? But yet the second time around, I'm also getting final callbacks to schools that I was cut from the year before. So it's, it's, you know, like the year before I wasn't called back to a final callback weekend at NYU, but like the second year I was. So it's just, it's, mm. an, it's another one of those moments where you're like, I really cannot try to control any of this because it's so not there's nothing I can do. Like you just have to show up and kind of do the work and like, you know, I, b because there's no rhyme or reason and they love me enough the previous year to waitlist me. And then I'm rejected the second year. And I don't think that much has changed about me, but who knows, you know, who knows what you've like bring into the room that day. And, um, so that was, it's just, you know, yeah. yeah, a lot out of you. Um, and yeah. how do you feel about it now? Like with a couple years removed, do you yeah. feel like you would go after something like that again, like a, a program or are you? Um, I'm so grateful I did it. Um, I don't know that I would want to. I, I, well, I knew I couldn't have done a third year in a row. Like I just did mm -hmm. not have the, the like the spirit to do it. Yeah. Um, I also just like, I was like, I had, there are no more monologues that I like, like I can't find four <laughs> more monologues to enjoy enough. Yeah. Um, which is horrific to say, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm really so glad I went through the process. I don't know that now I would want to dedicate three years to it. Um, Part of me is like, oh, it'd be so amazing to like be in three years of team study or like three years of voice class. Like, you don't, you don't get that, you know. We don't get that at, you know, a certain. And I romanticize that like, sometimes, but I, I'm also someone who hates school, so I would probably never do that. See, I love school and I love learning, and like the idea of being in that environment is like really, like yeah, it, I'm sure it's beautiful. You know, it like makes me smile, but, but I also, you know, that time is really precious, and like you learn as much in that. And, sure. and life experiences or like you find your mentor that you really love or you find that one production that like lights you up and and has you grow in ways that you couldn't even you know imagine yeah. and that's like yeah. just as valuable totally. so I don't you know I, I don't I would not do it again and like part of me wishes that I, I also like I don't want to be in school at from 30 you know, sure. if I auditioned this year, 31 to 34, you know, that's yeah. not mm -hmm. kind of how I want to spend these next few years. And so like, quite simply, like the time 
factor is something yeah. to take into account too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, you know, just to kind of, before we get to the last section of our show, I definitely want to talk about what it's like to be back on stage now after, is this your first show back in two years, mm-hmm. in the two years? How you feel? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you feeling good? Are you having fun? Has it started? Yeah. Yeah. It's up. Yeah. What's well, no, no, no. We started rehearsals last week. Okay. So we just got on our feet on Saturday. Oh, cool. 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 Um, cool. We were just doing table work before that. Um, it feels so nice. Like it just feels like a homecoming. And everyone is so stoked to be there. And fucking sick play too. Uh, uh, like a hell of a play to come back on. And yeah. the playwright is in the room with us the whole time. She will be with us through cool. the whole process. It's a new work, right? It's new. Yeah. And I've talked to people who've like read it or like uh, read it when they were auditioning and were like, this yeah. play is fucking crazy. You, you yeah. are going to love like yeah. when you, when it goes up. And so she's in the room with us the whole time. And she like, it's so collaborative and is so down to work with us on it and the director is awesome and the cast is cool and the script is like I'm really really jazzed to be coming back with this one um yeah when does that run April 20 something through June 5th oh cool so nice nice little like six week run yeah that's awesome yeah yeah Yeah, I would love I'm I'm definitely gonna have to come check that out yeah same and then it's interesting, wait, it's interesting because I always play teenagers. Like that was very much, that's still, you know, that's my thing. And then this is the first time where I'm like kind of playing an adult. Like I'm playing the teacher figure in the room. And it's mm. that I'm like, I turned 30 and I'm playing a teacher. Like we're moving into a new bracket. Like this is weird. Although, uh, but also like a lot of the absolute banger roles are like for just a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. That is really, really, really cool. Um. And Did then you are you back? Like, yeah, well, you. I was going to say, then are you back to LA? Uh, yeah. The re- yeah. And how are you, how are you liking it out there? Have you lived like, have you ever moved elsewhere? Cause if your parents' house is around here, I imagine this yeah. is like a, you know, your first time I mean, kind of, a- uh, I lived in New York for a bit for college and then I lived mm-hmm. in Vermont. I studied abroad, but like, this is my first, I, this is my first time kind of just moving for the hell of moving. Um, and it's really cool. So it's going to get, I'm yeah, I'm not even like auditioning that much. I mean, I'm, you know, submit self-submitting and like I booked this show, but like, it's not like I'm out, you know, hitting these streets, doing the audition circuit, like all that much, like no one knows me, you know, it's really interesting Mm -hmm. to move to a place where like no one knows you versus DC where like, you know, you're getting called in, you know, people, people know you're around. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's cool. But I also am like really happy to be there because I think I was um, like developing some uh, like unhealthy work habits, just like the hustle, you know, like just the hustle of it all. And it was, I was like not having a life that, you know, just like working too many side jobs and like realizing, not realizing that I was clocking like 1 million hours. And then also kind of beating you know you beat yourself up off for every audition and like some of them are really hard to let go and like that's not a sustainable life and I think moving to LA I was like okay I want to I want to break that cycle like I want one job that maybe I have to you know sacrifice some things but like it's going to provide me a bit more stability and also a lot more brain space to kind of like dedicate to my career or also to my life outside of all of that 
And so I think I found like a much better balance. I don't know. It's not forever. Like I think I'm an East Coast person through and through, but for right now, I think it's like very much the right move for me. And I'm really happy to be there. Cool. But then I've also come back to DC like every month. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, it's it's a soft, soft entry into Los Angeles. Sure, sure. Um, so we, at the end of our show, we have what is called our lightning round. It is lightning in name only. So feel free to take your time. Okay. Um, okay. This is one that I actually heard at the bar the other night. And I think it's a very interesting question. Okay. If you could wipe one holiday off the calendar, what would it be and why? New Year's. Um, oh. New Year's. Like the, if, like the observation of the new year, or we would just never change the numerical year. Oh, the observation of okay. the, the ball drop. And Had to like be, the... care, just check there. Cause I was yeah, like, yeah, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no, this is about to get we trippy. Can have, we can change the numbers. I'm down like with the, <laughs> the signs of all of that. Like it's the, it's, it's just, I feel like it gets so hyped up. It's never worth it. I just you know, either you like get drunk too early or you're just kind of exhausted by the time midnight rolls around and you like don't want to do anything. And I actually think some of like the most fun New Year's have been um, like with my family when we've kind of just like decided to call it a bit early and we'll do like a fake ball drop at 10 p.m. and I just kind of like call it and go to sleep. You know, I just, I think that one is overhyped and people put too much stock in it. And I very much would love to abolish that expectation. (laughs) Hell yeah. Okay, I got it. I got another one for you. If you were forced to be in a talent show, but you couldn't um, act or sing, what would you do? Do you also want to include dance in this? And now, yeah, yeah. Let's say, let's say the general. Okay, because um, I was gonna say Ukrainian folk dance because that's ooh. always a hit. Okay. Aside from those, oh, did you? Do you get? Did you guys know in college I competitively shot shotguns? Like shot skeet? Yeah, Did not know that. clays and trap. Dude, that is so wild and yeah. sick. <laughs> so I the, like if you could have shotgun shooting in a talent show and not have it be like weird. You I, have everybody come just, outside. Yeah, like, yeah like, I'm like, we can't do this in the school. Like, no, we're going outside. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what it would be for sure. That's awesome. Um, Meg, do you have any? I, I can I always do. toss another What's, down. What's a song that you have on repeat at the moment? Um, I saw Rufus to Soul in November. Cool. And um, I can't think of a particular song, but like I've just been really been, I've just really been just really been vibing with them. Lately. Okay, cool. I feel like it's it's just enough energy, just enough mellow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Good vibes. Uh-huh. You can cry to it. You can also like jam out to it. Yeah, it's all it's the whole emotional spectrum for me. Are you are you a crier at art? Do you cry at art? I'm a crier at everything. Okay, so then what's the last movie you watched that made you cry? I'm a big crier too, so. Ooh. Uh, I don't I don't know. Are there any you can think I of off the top watched, of your head uh, that, have, that, have, that have made you cry, even if they're just OG yeah, classics? You know, you know what's embarrassing is I love Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl so much. 
that every time it's that opening scene where Johnny Depp like rides in and it's like the theme song, like I I kind of tear up a little bit because it's just so epic. It's like a nostalgia. I imagine it's just like an imagine like an immediate sense memory thing, and it is so epic and like perfectly shot as he's like sinking down and walks off the mast. And and I also I think now kind of like as an actor watching it being like. Like, imagine filming that and, like, you know it's going to be a cool moment. But then, like, you go to the premiere and you see it on screen and they have the music and the yeah. way that it's, you know, the way that they've edited it and just, like, being a part of that badass, cheesy, iconic, like, cool moment. And he steps off onto the dock and he's like, Jack Sparrow. I don't know. I think it gets, it gets me a little emotional. <laughs> okay, that's a great answer. So embarrassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Meg, do you have any more? Because I have one last one. If if you don't, oh you no, do, please go ahead. Please go all right. Ahead. So my last one is. I, can't I said Pirates of the Caribbean. It actually rocks. It rocks as an answer, and it is frozen. <laughs> it is frozen. Um, okay, so n- like, let's take out like social, social, and political factors out of the matter. Uh-huh. If you could live and be in the vibe of any decade in history, what would it be, and why? That's not this one, because I because I think yeah. I and when I really think of it, I'm like, eh, probably this one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All those implications aside, I think I would love like the disco era. Yeah, I, like the outfits, the dancing, mm-hmm. the just the all night, like, like, yeah. 1970s yeah. Studio 54. Yeah, 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 uh-huh. yeah. Yeah, that would be sure. so sick. Um, well, Lita, Definitely. thank you so much for taking yeah, the time you. to oh, sit down and awesome. get out. This was really, really fun. What a treat. What a treat. Um, uh, again, if you, if you're able to check it out, I put links up in the thing for everybody to, if you would like to donate, yeah. um, there's prints, your show, which is that studio. It's called John Proctor is the villain, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I keep accidentally wanting Great to call title. it John Proctor must die. Like John yeah, Proctor must die. I know. Die. I've done that yeah. so many times too. And I'm like, you got to get it right. You're in the show. Well, it's got such a great nineties movie title. Yes. Like it's got such a good high school, like play title. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also if anyone wants to stay up to date on news about Ukraine, um, that's what my whole Instagram has become. So if you want a concentrated place for all across the board, I'm your girl. I'll pop that link up there too, so that everybody can can go check that out because it really is a wonderful uh, a wonderful news source where there's a lot of information being shared with you know the the personal touch and the um, yeah. history of it uh, that I think the mainstream media is not really doing its due diligence yeah. to do. Yeah, thanks guys. This is really fun. Thank you, Lita. Yeah. It was good to see Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. I'm so flattered. I'm so honored. Hey, hey, I'm honored you come <laughs> come join. Yeah, truly. Awesome. Thank you. Peace Bye, later. Bye. Bye. Okay. Okay. So, as I was thinking about, as you know, we talked about having Lita on. I don't that I've ever like sat down and talked with her for that extended a period of time, but we have run in similar circles and with similar people and probably been at the same functions 
a lot of times. So it was really nice to like actually get to, you know, to talk to her and like get to hear about, you know, what's going on and how she kind of goes about, goes about the world. Yeah. Lita, I like, I also have not really had much like one-on-one and I also have a lot of friends who are like very, very close right. with Lita or yeah, like have worked with Lita and have nothing but good things to say. And so it was super, super cool to get to like actually sit down in one-on-one. I, like I was asking stories that I have like heard from other people. Yeah. Uh, which was very cool to hear firsthand and like, just what a rocking app. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um. I had, I've only seen her in a few things, um, around, around town. Um, but I'm really excited to see this, this play at studio because I've always really liked her work on stage. Um, so I'm sure it will be great. And I hope others will, will check it out too. I don't think I've seen anything at studio yet this season. So I can't even remember the last time I've seen something at studio. I haven't been over there in a long time, so I'm, I, I need to go back. I was thinking I needed to go back like right before things shut down, but yeah, alas, it did do? not work out very well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. What else? What's been going on in your life, Meg? What's been up? What is going on? Um, you know, it is April. And We're in a bit of the all, April lull, I feel like. All pistons bit. are firing. Oh, yours are. Uh, yeah, I would say everything is kind of in go mode, you know, like it is busy time at several of my jobs. Um, but actually I'm about to like, I'm approaching like a couple of little uh, vacations or time off from, you know, certain jobs at certain points. And I'm looking forward to like not having as many things to juggle over the next few weeks and having some, uh, Having some relaxation, I guess, is coming up tomorrow. Actually, I'm going to Detroit uh, in my first. Uh, you know what? I don't know that I've ever traveled for regional theater before. Um, I've traveled to Broadway to see things, but I don't know that I've ever gone. First pilgrimage. To... Yeah, this is my first pilgrimage. The only other thing that comes to mind. And I, this is to say, I don't, eh, I don't know. That's not true. I guess I've made, I've made smaller pilgrimages, but I'm going to Detroit tomorrow for a quick 12 hours yep. to go see, or I guess I should say to go participate in part two of this three-part uh, play called A Thousand Ways by 600 Highwaymen. And uh, listeners, if you've been around for a minute, you might remember that in November of 2020, I participated in part one, which was a phone call where I talked to this woman in Singapore as she was ending her day and I was starting mine. And we like led each other through this phone call, asking questions and like both taking part in this role-playing scenario. And part two is called the meeting. And so me and one other person who has bought a ticket at the same time slot as me, uh, which is two 30 on a Thursday. So I don't know who it could be because I'm sure they are not going to be expecting it to be me either. I just really can't wait. And 
we will, it will just be the two of us. We will each have a pile of note cards in front of us and just, we will be sitting about six feet apart and separated by a glass piece of like a glass uh, pane. And um, we will do the play. (laughs) I will report back next time um, about part two. And I'm really excited about about doing that uh that is so fucking cool so you go in there and you will basically like read the lines with another person is that what it is or is it well i mean if it's anything like the first one um there's some things that are parts of it are like a we both are imagining that we're in this same scenario together and like what would you how would you participate and you kind of answer questions and other things i will be scripted to ask them a question you know, like on the phone call, I was like, where are you sitting right now? What are you looking at across the room? You know, at one point the phone call, like the script it was an automated script told us to both get up and walk to another room. And then we would answer different questions. And, you know, they would say like, turn the light off. And there was just different cues. And so I imagine some of those note cards will be cues leading us through things and others will be questions and others will be you know, it'll be my turn to answer sometimes too. So and is there a part know. three to this? I don't remember. Yes, yes right. There okay, is. That's what I thought. And I will, I will be going to Charlotte at the beginning of June for part three and I will finally finish. And part three is called the assembly. And this is like a group of 50 to 80 people. Who have all um, done this? Well, no, you, you don't have to do all three parts. You know, some people, they might just do this part. What the fuck? Um, especially because like- It's far. This- piece is well right people it's theaters just decide to program it when they will and you know so uh, like the public did part one but they have not yet ever programmed part two and three or this you know oh so you have to basically seek out part two and three if you want to do all of them but you can they, they one does not require that you have done the other but i am interested in seeing the progression of it especially since this was something that was like developed during covid and each part kind of released in conjunction with like how we can hold audience for each other you know end of 2020 that is just like via the phone you know that's the only way that you can like really have an audience at that time the part two came out um like spring summer of 21 you can safely be in a room how many times has it been produced six feet apart all over. It's been produced internationally. I'm not sure how many times each part has been produced, but it's just a thing that you can like, that your, that your theater, your regional theater can decide to program. That's very Um, cool. And it requires little to no, like, I don't want to say effort, but it doesn't require much in terms of like production at the theater because the entire thing is conducted by the audience members every it's time awesome it's very cool i'll i'll tell you all more when i get back but that is what i am doing tomorrow and then i'm making one final pilgrimage um this month and that is to see the queen herself yeba and i can't wait I'm gonna be going. i'm excited for you it's i think it's yeah yeah this is it's gonna be a highlight of of uh the past few years i have to say i have not to put any pressure on it but i've been looking forward to seeing her sing in person for a long time and it'll be fun to do that 
So yeah, I'm sure it's gonna be fucking sick. Yeah. So that's what's going on. Uh, I guess those are those are those those things and lots of changes coming up in my life in the next few months that I'm just trying to prepare as best I can for and taking the lesson from Billy last time around, like, you know, holding on to and kind of like making peace with what's in my control and realizing that not everything is in my control and letting that and making peace with that as well. So that is what I too am working on. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. <laughs> but it's a really helpful one when you are able to accept. Yes. For sure. You know? Yeah. Well, shit. So that's what's going on here. What about what's, what's cooking with you? Cooking with me? It's working on music. Mm-hmm. That's about it. And I feel like things are like a, li- a little bit starting to pick up more and more just in general, like I'm getting more classes. There's more like that. I feel like definitely like theaters are really starting to open back up. I feel like, um, I feel good. I'm also like starting to get back into routines. Like, cause I feel like I've, you know, the last two years completely like fucked up, like yeah, any sense of like having normal things that go on throughout the day. Um, sure. Just because it's been such a roller coaster too, of like, right, the vibe and is it's always been every, changing. Right, every few months, you know, yeah, things are not the way they were three months prior. It's where, yeah, constant, uh, just yeah, constantly shifting. You know, like the rules and regulations of being yeah. out and about in the world. Yeah, and I just also was like not feeling good last week, and so I was like, uh, I need to like get back on my like taking care of myself, feeling good." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like, "Oh are you, man, are you making lists?" Yes, yep. multitudes. Yep. Um, and then just like yeah, sticking to that, and then also sticking to just like certain things that I have to get done throughout the day. Like I gotta drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. I got, I have to take my vitamins, like no stop. Mm-hmm. I have to go to sleep at a reasonable hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, that's so funny that you say that because I have just added to, I've, and I've also been pumping the brakes on, on, on drinking like hard. Oh, okay. And you feel good about that? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's my good. Stu- and I mean- a while ago, my stuff, well, I also like a while ago, my stomach started to get bothered by booze booze and mm. like i had like two three weeks of us like going hard drinking and my stomachs are hurting last week and i was like oh yeah awesome. it will do it will it will take a toll that is for sure i yeah. have to do, do it in like every every so like i can every so often have a couple of days you know where i like go hard and have fun and then i'm like okay and not again for a while you know it's i can't do it very casually it's just not so yeah my body does not want yeah and i don't drink anything other than beer like so it's like you know oh, okay sure yeah i mean yeah. when we were going after i mean when garrett was here we were going after it hard and then i went to concerts the yeah. week after and so i think i was just burnt on like, my stomach and my body and we're just like we're tired oh we hurt yeah so Have i've you... been like really on my taking care of myself shit this week that's good and last that's week good. and like the end of last week when i was not feeling good it's funny that you mentioned that because I started a new um, to-do list format like maybe two weeks ago now. I've been on it for about two weeks. And the 
top section, which it not was not always like the top section used to be uh, my schedule for the day. Um, but now the top section is chores slash routine. And so, you know, the first three things are like the things that, like you said, are some, it's an easy thing to be like, yes, I need to take my vitamins every day, but I have to have it on that list so I can cross it off. Otherwise it like, it might not not happen. It slips. I do a lot of things in a day, like, you know, like little, little things I have to remember to do like emails, you know, this, and and it's not a habit yet. So until it becomes a habit, then I have to like really be in the practice of. And I had mine too, which is bothers me. I had it as a habit and then COVID fucked it up. Oh, okay. Well, not COVID. I don't blame COVID. I fucked it up by being lazy and laxing on it during it. Sure. Sure. But alas, I ought to say, yes, back, we're back on. But yeah, I need to do that too. When I'm like building habit, like have to write it down every day. Uh Uh-huh. Put a reminder, uh-huh. my phone, it's another one I'll do. Like, it'll just oh, bing sure. me at a certain time. And if I haven't done it during the day yet, I'll just go do it. Yeah. Like, tell me every day at three to take my vitamins, whatever. That's like the fail safe. Like, if I haven't taken them by then. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, things like that. Getting sleep. Spring cleaning, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Making sure everything is in working order now that we're dusting off the, the old routines from coming down from the attic. Yes. Um, anything else to report? Do I have anything else to report? No. Um, oh, there'll probably be new baseball hat music in the next week or two. We're just waiting to get All it right. back. All right. But another new song. Another little treat. And then there'll be another <laughs> and another and another and another and another. But yeah, so uh, and we're also one, one very person away from a hundred followers on Spotify. So if hey, you can, which those, you. those are tooth and nail, we fight for those. And I will tooth and nail fight for your Spotify follow today. Folks, if you're not followed, <laughs> please, please. That's it. That's tooth and nail for you folks. Yeah. <laughs> no nail or tooth spared expense, <laughs> expense spared, whatever. Um, okay. Well, if there's nothing else to say for the time being, um, then we will be back in two weeks. Everyone, um, just count down the days till then. We'll be back. Can you believe we had stuff to talk about in the pre-post every single week before? (laughs) I don't know. I, yeah. When there was nothing going on. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway. Did we... Yep. Just spewed. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we'll be back in two weeks and you can, in the meantime, follow along at good to see you pod. Correct. And you? Oh, yeah, sure. You could follow me at Meg Bunn. Call me dot com if you want to get there. Anyway, Meg, it was good to see you. It was good to see you.